You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and but probably not. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. Ho, 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 ye of little faith. <laughs> Bugga. Hey, Ebony. Hey. We're going to play a game. Okay. Are you ready? I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm excited, too. <laughs> I just came up with it. <laughs> I hope it's funny. <laughs> um, one of these things is not like the other. Okay. It's kind of like an SAT test for you. Okay. Oh, wow. So there's I didn't a list. take those. Well, you're going to take one now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a list of three. Okay. A, Times Square in the 80s. Okay. B, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Okay. C, six adorable micro pigs in teacups. <laughs> micro pigs in teacups. Is that a thing? It is. Holy Google macro. it. It's adorable. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would say Times Square in the 80s. Well, you would be correct. And do you know why? Why? Because welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You've reached... Theater Geeks Anonymous, and today we're talking about The Life, the musical, on the Broadway. <laughs> I'm so excited about this I know, this me show. too. Me too. I've got to tell you, because this was one of those CDs that I bought for myself when I was in high school, and it has really stuck with me. <laughs> Not in a way because, like, I mean, there's nothing about my life and right. the story of this show. Also, that we have- were like teeny weeny when oh, this yeah, well, all was happening well not really teeny elementary school i don't think so it was uh it was in the well, well the I, 80s i, can't I the, mean oh well the in, 80s oh, yeah. like while when it was Times actually was like, that, like yeah. how it was we were 
teeny. But when the show came out, it was like 97, I yeah, think. 97 right. on Broadway. I'll I'll let you know precisely when it was <laughs> when we get into it. But I, you know, like I when I bought this, I was in high school. But it must have been like, let's see, my my junior year in high school, I okay. think. But you're right. In the Times Square in the 80s, we were just little bitties. Right. We did. We, we wouldn't have even known what Times Square was. No, we wouldn't have. Maybe I would have because yeah. I well theater. Kids, I decided we Broadway kids. was at age ten. That but Broadway. I don't think we had any idea like what it was actually like. <laughs> no, because like we both grew up in the burbs, like it's different true. burbs. But there's no nothing <laughs> like Forty Second Street in either place we uh-uh. grew up. Nope. No, no, there's no definitely not in Central Illinois mm-hmm. <laughs> and Baltimore. I'm sorry, but you have no Forty Second Street. <laughs> No, it's funny. Like, my really only recollection of what New York would have been at that time was, like, through movies. Right. And it was dirty and grimy and crime-filled, but Mm -hmm. that still, I mean, like, still you never really got the full extent of it. No. But uh, Ira Gassman had the idea. Did he write write the libretto? This was his idea. Okay. Yeah, and he wrote the book and also helped with the lyrics no he did the lyrics and helped with the book (laughs) you know what maybe i should read my notes and and not not go by memory (laughs) especially after the week i've had so i picked up a job (laughs) we'll get into the show in just a moment it'll happen i i you know nanny during the week like Mm -hmm. i i think most people know on this podcast but i just picked up an extra job on saturdays and sundays because i don't have anything else to do right (laughs) grooming dogs and i I, you know this about me. After I left the Phantom Tour, I had both time and money at the same time. And that never happened. So I literally was like, what can I do? I know. I'll learn how to groom dogs. It's a very smart idea. <laughs> it really you. was. Well, yeah. and I was really nervous about it because it's a, a big chunk of change. It's an investment to get the certification and to learn how to groom dogs. And I had no idea if, A, I was going to even like it. Mm-hmm. And, B, if I was going to be any good at it. And so I ended up being both. <laughs> so I've got this little, you know, side hustle that I love and I um, enjoy very much. And so this new place opened up on Ditmars in Astoria. And so I went in one day and was like, so I um, have my grooming certificate and uh, I also have a daytime job. So I wouldn't actually be able to work any other days except Saturday. And she goes, oh, well. I have all of these people that can work every day except Saturday. And I was like, great. So it was meant to be. But in my reasoning for telling this story Mm -hmm. is that I'm exhausted. My mind and my body are both just completely depleted of energy. But I'm also super excited to talk about the life. (laughs) Because it is such a good show. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and I'll mention this in my story here. Like the cast... There's not a, there was not a bad one among no. them. And that is not the reason that this is considered a flop. It's at all. I, I would say like this cast is pretty comparable in in ways to the shuffle along. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, cast, yeah. Like yeah, it was not their fault that this show didn't go further th- and it really I mean it really wasn't the show's fault either other than for the reasons I'll bring up in just a second. <laughs> Are you so excited? I'm really excited. The anticipation. <laughs> Woo. 
Okay, so The Life is a musical based on an original idea by Ira Gassman, who I mentioned before wrote the lyrics, but mm. also helped in writing the book. The show explores the underbelly of Times Square, 42nd Street, inhabited by pimps, prostitutes, druggies, dealers, and runaways. Oh, and street dealers, of course, in the era <laughs> prior to the Disneyfication. So let's write a musical about it. <laughs> So I'll mention the creatives. As I said before, Ira Gassman wrote the lyrics. He is known for um, being a columnist for the Sag Harbor Express, but he also wrote What's a Nice Country Like You Doing in a State Like This, the musical. Oh, do you know? I had that? never heard of this before, yeah, but we're no. going to have to do some research and yeah. maybe do an episode on it because... Was it a Broadway? Oh, probably not. Okay. We'll find out a little bit more. I didn't actually delve into that title at okay. all. I just thought it was a really funny yeah, title. it's cute. But like I said, he's he was a columnist, but he's also just a big Broadway lover um, from what I uh, gathered in doing this research. The music was written by Cy Coleman, who wrote Sweet Charity, also about a prostitute, Little Me, 20th Century, which I love, Uh, Will Rogers Folly, City of Angels, among others. Nothing to sneeze at. No, this guy knows what he's doing. He's really amazing. I think he's still writing something, and I, I can't remember right now. I think he wrote something just recently, and I cannot put my finger on the name of it right now but maybe you can yeah do that and see if you can find any information but Simon coleman wrote the music um the book was written by all uh there are three people Cy coleman ira gassman and then they added in david newman who was famous for writing it's a bird it's a plane it's superman and oh Oh, calcutta which are i think both on our list yes they are (laughs) i actually heard a song from the superman one Mm -hmm. at the 54 below concert okay So the synopsis of the show, and stop me if you do find any information on that, and we'll plug it in. But the synopsis of the show, and I could not dwindle it down to just a paragraph. So I'm going to go through Act 1 and Act (laughs) 2, because it's fun. Uh, In Act 1, the life depicts the pulsating life on the Times Square streets in the 1980s, where everything had a price, especially sex. The garish topless bars, the transvestite joints, the hookers who worked the sidewalks at the bidding of their pimps. Jojo, an opportunistic, conniving white hustler in the thick of the action, has a bare-knuckled plan for feeding his ambition. But among these unsavory characters, there are a Uh, There are appealing people who have been caught in the web of these sordid surroundings. Sonia is a veteran hooker who has seen better days and befriends Queen, who's on the street because her man Fleetwood is a displaced Vietnam veteran who needs her support. She has saved her money and on this day plans to get away with Fleetwood and leave the life for good. However, Queen discovers that Fleetwood has spent half of her savings to pay off his drug debts and defeat his habit. Apparently, Fleetwood had PS, uh, PTSD super bad after Vietnam War, oh. and the only way he could cope was by doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, Fleetwood has an unrealistic dream of attaining power and money. JoJo tells him he'll never amount to anything as a pimp as long as he's romantically involved with the woman he's selling. JoJo takes him to the Port Authority, where they find Mary, just off the bus from Minnesota. Jojo grabs at her suitcase so that Fleetwood can rescue it and become her hero. Reluctantly, Queen takes Mary to her room that she shares with Fleetwood, but tries to persuade her to go home. 
Jojo cajoles, uh, cajoles Mary into taking a turn as a go-go dancer. A smashing success. She celebrates her good fortune with Fleetwood and Jojo, who has her in mind for his mentor, Lou. Uh, got <laughs> This is right to read this now is making no sense at all. So I'll try to make sense of it as we go along. Okay. Um, let's see. So Fleetwood and Jojo... Jojo has Mary in mind for his mentor, Lou, who's a gaudy Los Angeles producer of motion pictures of the triple X variety, who's looking for fresh corn fed talent. So Fleetwood and Jojo are putting her and Mary isn't as a go-go dancer right now to make money off of her. But Jojo ultimately wants her to make porn flicks with Lou so that he can make more money off of her later. Once again in jail, Queen reflects on her attachment to Fleetwood. While enticed by Mary, Jojo and Fleetwood spend the night with her in a threesome. And as Fleetwood turns his attentions toward Mary, Memphis, another pimp who's a really nasty piece of work, makes his move to put Queen on his deck. Queen discovers what's been going on between Fleetwood and Mary and decides she's finally had enough. And as everyone parties at the hooker's ball, Lou makes off with Mary while Queen, shunning Fleetwood, attaches herself to Memphis. Intermission. (laughs) Now act two. In Memphis' spacious apartment, Queen thanks him for getting her out of jail and for the beautiful dress he gave her to wear to the hooker's ball. But Memphis makes it clear that the dress was $6,000 loan that she must repay with her earnings. He warns Queen that she better not leave town. He'll kill Fleetwood if she does, and then her. Queen tells Sonia that she must find Fleetwood and warn him about Memphis' threat. She asks Jojo to tell Fleetwood to meet her at the next morning. Meanwhile, Mary, with Lou, toasts her acceptance of his offer of a movie career. So Mary's totally into it. The next morning, Jojo double-crosses Queen and meets with her and Memphis, in uh, with Memphis in tow, who brutally beats Queen. Then Fleetwood arrives. Queen reminds him of what they once had together. And when Fleetwood returns to his hotel, he finds Mary leaving for Los Angeles. Later, near the Hudson River, <laughs> in a spot once special to Queen and Fleetwood, Sonia hands Queen a bus ticket and a suitcase in a desperate attempt to get her away from Memphis. Fleetwood unexpectedly appears and tries to talk Queen into making a new start, but Queen bitterly rejects him. Jojo guides Memphis onto the scene. What is wrong with Jojo? Like, what a jerk. Seriously, yeah. stay out of it. <laughs> Fleetwood pulls a gun on Memphis, but Jojo knocks the gun loose as Memphis mortally stabs Fleetwood. Fleetwood dies. Queen seizes the fallen gun, shoots Memphis. Memphis dies. Sonia decides she's going to take the rap for killing Memphis, claiming self-defense, and she and Queen say goodbye. Queen then departs for the bus, which will carry her to freedom as Sonia surrenders to the police. Curtain. With Lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Ebony's face right now. I know. Ebony, I gotta tell you. I knew the story because I have the CD. Right. And of course, I read all of the liner notes because I'm such a nerd that way. Right. But it's still, I wrote that down and I still was like, oh my God. 
trash. And I was still getting <laughs> mad at JoJo. And I was still like, Memphis, mind your own business. And I was still like, Fleetwood, seriously, clean up your act and get out of town. Queen loves you. And then you're like, Sonia, come on. But she's like really the only redeemable character in this yeah. whole show. Well, Queen is kind of too. Anywho. But then, but then Sonia takes the rap. I know. But I think it's ultimately her way of getting out of the life. She sings this amazing yeah. song in Act 2 called... <laughs> and of course I can't remember. Wait, give me a second. I'm worn out and weary. I know Miss... I can't remember the words now either. Um... I'm getting too old for the oldest profession. She sings this song, and it's like her torch song moment. So you know that she's done, but she doesn't have any way of getting out. And so I feel like maybe this is her way not only of getting redemption because she has now saved her her friend, but she's also out. There's There's no getting past it. But also I feel like, too... It was self-defense, so we don't know, you know, what kind of sentence she might have gotten right. at that point. Like, maybe she would have gotten off because exactly. self-defense, and I mean... I mean, there's a dead body that right. Memphis, you know, killed. Right. So, you know, th- he's not a nice guy. Probably the police had a file on him. Who knows? But right. I think, you know, that was her way of just coming to terms with the fact that she spent the last 16 years of her life in the life in the life and she was not happy and she never had been but she didn't have any way of getting out anyway now she's out so just to give you a little bit of a background um the show was first produced at the off-broadway west beth theater running from july 30th until august 16th of 1990 joe layton directed and choreographed with a cast that featured chuck cooper lilius white and Mamie Duncan Gibbs. Chuck Cooper and Lilius White were both in the Broadway production well, both winning uh, Tony Awards for Best Featured Actor and Actress in a Musical. Mm. Chuck Cooper playing Memphis mm-hmm. and Lilius White playing Sonia. Mm. And, I mean, okay, I don't know if you've seen the Tony Awards. Their, the performance, though, is just insane. It's My Body is the song that they do. So you've got all of the... And they're all, they're all called hookers in the show. So I'm not going to feel bad about calling them the hookers. But you got all the hookers on stage and they're mm-hmm. all singing. But, like, Lilius White is just so phenomenally talented that I just can't. She gives me chills every time I hear her <laughs> sing anything. She's just amazing. Um, in 1994... Ira, uh, no, I'm sorry, Cy Coleman and Ira Gassman asked David Newman to help rewrite the show. Newman is quoted as saying, whatever it was back when they did the workshop, it's totally different now. I wish I could have found more info on the the off-Broadway production. There yeah. just wasn't a whole lot on the internet. Okay. Um, I couldn't find any reviews. I couldn't find any videos. I couldn't find a script. So I... I'm going to put out a plea. If there's anybody in our podcast listening audience, if you have anything on the original off-Broadway production at the West Beth Theater of the Life, if you could send that to us, I would be so fascinated to find out what the differences are in the off-Broadway and the Broadway production. Um, The Broadway production then was directed by Michael Blakemore, whom we just spoke about in the Rebecca episode. 
Michael Blakemore is just an, an amazing director here in New York. He's done a lot. And, of course, I don't have any other any other bad. shows. Yeah, he's chewing on a bone. Okay. Puddle's chewing on a bone. So if you hear that, that's what he's I doing. Like, the, the way Puddle usually gets something he shouldn't have, the sound. <laughs> I just didn't know what it was, and I was nervous. No, it's a shin bone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a lamb. Okay. Or a cow. Who knows? <laughs> sorry, vegetarian, vegan people who I are know, listening. I know. I'm sorry. There's just, you know what? Honestly, though, I am kind of glad that they used the entire animal. Yeah. Because I eat meat, and mm-hmm. I'm still going to eat my ground beef, but it's nice to know that my dogs can chew on an ear or a shin bone. <laughs> it's so gross when you put it that way. <laughs> Anywho. Um... Uh, the Broadway production, directed by Michael Blakemore, opened on April 26th of 1997 at the Ethel Barrymore Theater, where it closed on June 7th, 1998, after 466 performances Whoa. and 21 previews. That's not a terrible 400. It's not. It no. actually it was just over a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it actually was not a, a sm- it wasn't a short production. Right. Um it just, in terms of it being a flop, it wasn't very well received, mm-hmm. and uh, the reviews were kind of wishy-washy. And then I, financially, it probably and didn't. Yes, yeah. and I couldn't find that information either, and mm-hmm. I even went to find, like, 1997-1998 Broadway grosses by the week, and it gave me information, but nothing could really tell me how much they, like, what the budget was as opposed to how much they ended with. So, okay. unfortunately, there's not... A lot of that kind of information in this, but we'll definitely delve into more of the show itself. Um, among the large cast were Pamela Isaacs as Queen, who also is just, ugh, love her. Chuck Cooper as Memphis, Bellamy Young playing Mary, Lilius White as Sonia, and Sam Harris as Jojo. <laughs> I texted Ebony earlier this week. There's so many sidebars in this episode, but I feel like it's necessary. I texted Ebony at the beginning of this week and I said, hey, do you watch Scandal? And she said, no. And I said, oh, that's too bad. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, do you guys watch Scandal? Because I was looking up clips and found a clip of Bellamy Young performing one of her numbers in the life as Mary and realized that it is Melly Grant, the president's wife slash oh. secretary of state in scandal and i was so like I do, what i've seen like because my old roommate at my last apartment loved scandal and okay she'd, like, binge watch it yeah. so i would like see bits <laughs> over her shoulder yeah. so the face of that woman i'm uh-huh. like okay i know who that is yes, yes. yes and it was her broadway debut so i just thought that wow. was the coolest little chunk of of information there um, oh, and here's another one. This is cool. Sam Harris played JoJo. Sam Harris was the winner of the very first Star Search in 1984. Isn't that amazing? I just no love idea. trivia like no that. No idea. <laughs> um, choreography was done by Joey McNeely. Scenic design by Robin Wagner. Costume design by Martin Packledenaz. I have no idea. That is completely butchered last name. Sorry. Um... And the lighting designed by Richard Pilbro. Lilius White and Chuck Cooper, like I said before, both won the 1997 Tony Awards for Featured Actress and Featured Actor in a Musical for their performances in this production. We're going to talk now about what the critics had to say. And I scoured the internet trying to find information. And I did find a couple of reviews. But there's just so little about the life 
on the interweb. That's I don't understand that. I don't either. It was like it was like the beginning of the internet. <laughs> but like I, I mean, I'm able, even able to find like yeah, uh, like one stuff of, from the forties. Yeah. And I think I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was cleaned. Like maybe Ira Gassman was just like I don't want anything out there. Or you know I, that's all conjecture. I'm not saying that right. he did that. But it's like you know who knows because it literally was like I would search and I would click on something that should have led me to something else but then that di- it, it disappeared. It was so strange. It was very very strange. Just saying. Conspiracy. Weird. So I did find a variety um, critique by Greg Evans Uh, The review says, uh, it was first workshopped nearly seven years ago. The life, like the hookers it sings about, has been around the block enough times to pick up some nasty habits. A musical that can't make up its mind. Is it a cartoon? A gritty slice of Times Square? A Bob Fosse ripoff? All of the above. The life wears its patchwork construction as obviously as its pimps wear wide-brimmed hats. So profound is this musical's identity crisis that even determining the year in which it's set becomes a guessing game. The Coleman Gassman tunes give spark to the life, but with its impossibly hokey book and stock characters that have been working the streets since before talkies, the life chronicles the struggles of gold-hearted hookers and their mean old pimps in a manner that uneasily updates musical theater convention. Just imagine Coleman's own sweet charity getting the stuff kicked out of her by a zebra-coated huggy bear, and you're fast approaching the life. So that's that review. <laughs> and that was, like, not on the fence at all. Mm. Um, you know, they said the songs are good, and that is very true. The songs in the show are very good, but the show just wasn't strong enough. I heard some... I heard... Uh, I was listening to something this week where... Uh, someone said they felt like maybe the life came too close to, you know, the pre-Rudy Giuliani. Oh, sure. Um, New York City. And so well, maybe that, that had some... Been, was that the... It was like 88? When when did the show open again? What year was that? Well, the off-Broadway production opened in 1990. Okay. Yeah. And then rewrites, they started the rewrites in 94 and then opened in 97, 97 on, Broadway. on Broadway. But, okay. like, if they're going off the off-Broadway, then, yeah, I yeah. think it would have been right on the coattails of all right. of that happening. I... I'm... Okay. <laughs> Um, Just to give you an idea, here's a line. One of the lines that Mary says is, cheese and crackers, my first day in New York, and I've already got a job lined up. Cheese and crackers? (laughs) Cheese and crackers. Well, she is from Minnesota. (laughs) Cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers. I know. Although I think any of my friends listening would think that something like that would come out of my mouth. So maybe... (laughs) Gosh and golly. I mean, it probably would, to be honest. Both of us. <laughs> yeah. Both of us are guilty of that. Yeah. Um, I did find a New York Times review by Vincent Canby. Um, he writes, the seemingly dark secret about the life. What are my dogs doing? They're having a hard time today. <laughs> I'm having a hard time today. I uh, just don't want to. I know. The seemingly dark secret about the life is that it's by far the most entertaining new musical to have opened last season. 
The life displays more fresh, fully realized talent and go-for-broke pizzazz than can be found anywhere else on Broadway, except at the Schubert, where the revival of Chicago is in residence. This guy loved it. Mm -hmm. And throughout the article, joy was the main focus. Like, he just said it was full of joy. It was joy itself. It Joyous, blah, blah, blah. Joy, joy, joy. It was all about joy for him. And I love that he saw that in this mm -hmm. musical because he does mention, and I didn't write the whole thing down, but he does mention that it's not, you know, it's not the, the best show ever written, right. but in the musicals that were up that year, it shines because it comes out of the dark place in, right. and, and tries to move move into the light mm -hmm. and you know and to be joyful. It's I love his opinion on it, but I also I, you know, I just love the show. I yeah. do, um, you know. And kind of just to end this off, I I really have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea how to finish the episode right, off because we've not. It's one of those things where it, it's not because the talent wasn't there. Uh, it's not because the music wasn't good. Mm -hmm. uh, there was some critics who didn't like the book. And there were some critics that like loved it. Right. So it's, I'm left with so many questions. Yeah. I want to know what the difference between the off-Broadway and the Broadway productions yeah. were. I want to know where all the reviews are because mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything else. I mean, and so I weird. to find the New York Times one, it was like going through rabbit hole after rabbit hole. I really had to scour the internet for it. I want to know what the original budget was. How much did they end up losing? Yeah. Was this truly a flop? Right. You know, and I don't know. <laughs> and what I do know is that when I bought this soundtrack back in 1997, along with the cast recordings of Steel Pier and Titanic, which were all up for Tony Awards that year, mm -hmm. I had no idea I would be so enchanted by sex workers and pimps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when Lilius White sings, it drips with sarcasm and utter heartbreak. Pamela Isaacs is so unapologetically vulnerable with a steel backbone. Bellamy Young is sweet and fresh-faced with this underlying focus that can turn conniving and manipulative in a breath. And that's just for starters. You talk about strong female roles on Broadway and the fact that these Lilius, uh, these roles Lilius and Pamela played also happen to be black. Mm -hmm. And it's really incredible to me how ahead of their time Gasman, Coleman, and Newman all were. Right. You know, and we that's talk the thing about that happens, right? Yeah. It's like people are so far ahead. Like that's the problem with being a forerunner. Yeah. It's like you're so far ahead, and it takes people such a long time to that catch up. By the up. time we yeah. do, you've already been forgotten. Yeah, yeah it's really unfortunate. Because, I mean, I remember, like, when Wicked first came out, and people were like, oh, finally, a musical with two female leads. But it's happened so, yeah. so much more frequently than that. And this is the perfect example, because really, honestly, the females in this show tell the story mm -hmm. the antagonists are the men trying to hold them down trying to hold them back trying to tear down what they have created for themselves or even just trying to tear down their happiness mm -hmm. uh, but the protagonists the women in this story are such and they're all so completely different from each other uh, in terms of characterization that 
it, it's so good. I just love it. <laughs> and I do love the fact that the two main female leads are black. I just think that's incredible because yeah. that doesn't happen very often. No. And it certainly doesn't happen in a mainstream show. And it certainly doesn't happen in a show that lasts an entire year on Broadway and takes home Toon Townies with featured black actors. Yeah. And I just think that's incredible. And I've said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I really it's like this show? Piece. It's such a good yeah. show. I mean, like, honestly, you know, I'll still try to find more information because I still do have so right. many questions about this. But if, if you if you listen, I mean, uh, the Chuck Cooper mm-hmm. interview on um, Behind the Curtain can help uh, a little bit. Okay. Of course, though... Uh, you know, they. It's not like they have. A pro- I don't think they interviewed a producer for okay. the show. I couldn't even find that information. Like who produced it? Holy mackerel! Really? I know. Like not I'm even on IBDB though. IBDB sometimes oh, gives you, you know the what? list of the producers. I did look up on IBDB, but I don't think I was looking for producers when I saw it. So okay. let me quickly do it now. <laughs> And I couldn't find anything recent with Ira Gassman. Okay. And then Cy died in 2004. Oh, that's right. I asked you to do something recent, but he couldn't have done anything recent. Okay. I mean, they're doing a a bunch of his songs are in the Prince of Broadway, but that's it. Okay. Oh, that's what it was. That's what I read. Yes, that's what I read. Okay. Because I knew it was a show that was happening like now. Yeah. And I just couldn't. I couldn't remember it right then. So it was produced by Roger Berlin, Martin Richards, Sam Crothers, Frank Tarja, and Cy Coleman. Okay. Um. So now I'm gonna fall down that rabbit hole (laughs) (laughs) and click on all of those names and do more research. But it is really interesting. I would love. Love, love, love. If anyone in our audience has any further information about this show, I'd love to like really pick your brain about it if you have any info. If you want to, you can send us an email directly, mm-hmm. tgabway at gmail.com. You, uh, can, you can check us out on Facebook at yes. Theater Geeks Anonymous. And then you can you could message uh, Pamela if you go to the Theater Geeks Anonymous page. Uh, and then we're also on Twitter, so you can go to at TGABWAY. <laughs> and uh and and comment there send us a message and mm-hmm. uh i'll get i'll get that to pamela that'd be amazing Please um, let me know and we're we're on soundcloud um you can actually like us on soundcloud mm-hmm. uh you might even be able to comment i think you can comment on soundcloud so cool. if you know something about this episode oh yeah you can comment on soundcloud and and, and let we'll us get know that. Yeah. yeah we'll get that um, and then, of course, we're on iTunes. Yes, we are. At Theater Geeks Anonymous. Yep. And, guys, it happened. We're on Stitcher. Whee! I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have an Android, you have two ways to listen to us, SoundCloud and Stitcher. And if you have an Apple, uh, you could probably also listen to us on SoundCloud. But, of mm-hmm. course, you have iTunes. So yes, you do. Please uh, share, like, follow. Please, please review, rate, and subscribe please. on iTunes. Um, please and thank you. Yes. Cheese and crackers. Do it for us, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> and uh, we really just, we love to hear from you. So don't be afraid to reach out because we love to hear from you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Have a great day. Bye. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.